Which American TV show has a version in Azerbaijan called 61? The answer to that at the end of the show. My name's Tom Scott and this is Lateral. Joining me today are three people who are hopefully going to enjoy this workout of their mental muscles from Escape This Podcast, Danny Siller and Bill Sunderland. Hello! My mental muscles are all stretched. <laughs> <laughs> and from Stand Up Maths and the Festival of Spoken Nerd and the podcast of Problem Squared, Matt Parker. Thank you very much. I have not mentally limbered up. <laughs> You're just going into this cold. Your brain's going to ache tomorrow. Going in cold. I, I fear not. I fear... I don't feel strains or cramps. You've got to be careful. You're going to pull your hippocampus. That's, that's a, that is a solid joke. <laughs> I feel like I didn't, I, I didn't laugh, but I'd like to acknowledge the good fundamentals <laughs> oh, that's of that what, joke. That's I call those everybody golf, wants when they tell a joke. I call those golf clap puns. Is that well done? That's solid. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Just, just neatly on the green. Yeah. Uh, all right. In this game, the questions might sound tricky at first, but there are very straightforward answers once you know what they are. Your job is to make the mental leap from A to B without necessarily going through J, Q, X and Gamma. So if we're all ready, here's your first question. In 1998, many people bought tickets to the Brad Pitt film Meet Joe Black. Handfuls of people walked out of the cinemas across America before the film even began. Why? I'll give you that one more time. In 1998, many people bought tickets to the Brad Pitt film Meet Joe Black. Handfuls of people walked out of cinemas across the USA before the film even began. Why? Now, as a nerd... Ah! ...who was alive and of movie-going age <laughs> in the, in w- the late were you 90s... There? Did you walk out? I'm, I'm, I could be wrong, but I'm going to opt out. I'm opting out. For a little while. So you get the option to be smug here. If you think you've got this immediately, bank that answer. If you've got pen and paper or something, yeah. write it down. We're going to go to Bill and Danny. 1998. Many people walked out of Meet Joe Black before the film even started. Any ideas why? Okay, my first issue is I need somebody to correct me because all I have in my head is the movie what I think Mighty Joe Young about a gorilla. So I'm just picturing... Oh, that's do they why. Do they all walk in like, there's no gorillas in this picture. And they knew before it had even started. They sat down and they turned to someone and they said, I'm really excited for the gorilla in this picture. Uh, this is, that's not the right, that's not the right movie. I mean, and they just get to the end and like, like man, Brad Pitt was unrecognisable. Just, just <laughs> could not see him at all. Like the makeup job was incredible. He really, so which so which one is Meet Joe Black? That's the one where he is. Is he the, he's death? death or the devil? Where something he, like that. Where he talks patois. And, yes. Yeah. Okay. That one. Okay. Okay. I'm I'm on the I'm on the board now. I understand. Now the last story that I heard about people needing to walk out of a movie was because it was a kids' movie, like it was Minions or something like that, and they accidentally started playing Hereditary. <laughs> oh no! Oh, that's not yes. good. <laughs> oh. Yes, and uh, I think there's something about the movie. It either starts incredibly scary and violently or starts in such a way that you're not actually sure what movie it is and it could have plausibly been the kids movie until given minions is cg animated i assume it just started with something horrible and violent and that would make sense haven't seen either couldn't tell you but (laughs) wow is there any chance that happened they started playing a bug's life but it it is interesting because it's before it even started yeah so something that happened in what happened in the credits was there was there trailers for a movie 
that was going to come out in 1998 that was really like, oh, if that movie's going to come out, I better leave the theatre. You know what it was? They played the trailer for Meet Joe Black and people went, oh, I don't need to see it now. <laughs> and they went through the whole plot. The cinema in the town I, I grew up in occasionally would do that. They would play the trailer <laughs> for the movie you're about to see. No. I, because I assume they Terrible. just had one reel of trailers they put on before, and it would have been a physical reel. I assume they just put the mm. same reel on for everything. Like if you were, if you were four yeah. or five weeks late to see in a movie, you you just get a trailer for that movie. Terrible. That's amazing. I figured you. I thought you meant they played just the trailer for that movie, as in like <laughs> just to get you ready. Let's warm you up. You are extremely close to the answer, and I no. suspect Matt, uh, you might be able to identify what that film was. Uh, I think I can. Yeah. Um, so this is back, back way back before there were multiple Star Wars films. There were just the mere three of the original trilogy and then lurking in the shadows yeah, it was the Phantom Menace and people got very excited. Yep. And they were so excited that they ran out. It's hard to articulate. What? For my generation who were too late to have seen the originals in the cinema, they were like these artefacts, like th these things that have just always existed, always had existed, always will exist. And then the notion of there being a new Star Wars film was just off the charts mm. and people wanted any information. And this is, you could download the trailer online, but it was it was a difficult thing <laughs> to get and it was terrible res and will take all night over dial-up. So to see the trailer. I, I, re I remember downloading that trailer. Yeah, absolutely. Because exactly, yeah, the music like Duel, yeah. Duel of the Fates is still stuck in my head because I must have watched that. A lot. I wasn't even particularly into Star Wars, but I knew that this was a thing. This was a thing. This was a big thing. And then people knew which films were going to have the trailer before them. So you'd buy a ticket just to go and see the trailer for Star Wars. Oh, so they went yeah. to the movie just for the trailer. That's fantastic. They bought the ticket for Meet Joe Black just to watch the trailer. And then they were not interested in the film. So they left. They had seen the trailer on the big screen. That was all they needed. That's fantastic. Amazing. I mean, this was also way back yeah. when movies were released on massively different dates, months or years apart in different <laughs> territories. Like Europe would regularly get movies months and months and months after. Uh, and The Phantom Menace was the first movie to get really properly pirated. Like if you had mm. a if you were a Star Wars fan and you had a university grade internet connection in you know ni ninety nine whenever it came out, like you were getting yeah. a low res grainy postcard copy of it because that was the first big movie to get pirated like that. Now you say back in the days when movies had different release dates, um, we it's very much still the case here. Yeah, <laughs> and also why Australia are the biggest internet pirates? Has the NBN rolled out yet or? Uh... <laughs> oh yeah, it's out. It's out. Works great. Mm. Yeah, it's great. Thirty upload. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And Matt, you you get the right to be smug there because you got it very early on. Twentieth Century Fox attached the trailer for Star Wars: The Phantom Menace to Meet Joe Black, so you had to buy a ticket if you wanted to see the trailer on the big screen. And so the Star Wars fans in the audience just got up and left. <laughs> and the important thing is, it lived up to the hype, and everyone was very happy. Fifty-two percent fresh on Rotten Tomatoes. I, I was eight. It was perfect. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now it's time for one of the guests to bring in a question. As always, uh, I don't know this question. I definitely do not know the answer. So I'm playing along too. Danny, uh, we're going to start with you this time. What have you got for us? Absolutely. Now, I know that points aren't on the line here, but I hope everyone's feeling competitive. 
Harking back to its first edition in 1925, which competition's trophy contains a number of gladioli? Harking back to its first edition in 1925, which competition's trophy contains a number of gladioli? Wow, I I thought you were going to say gladiators there. I really did. I did not expect that. (laughs) My brain auto-completed with a load of jokes about 1990s TV shows, and then I got gladioli. I'm like, I'm not even sure what type of plant that is. Is that a flower? I think it's a flower. It's it's a it's a plant, a flower, the thing. That's a great name for a gladiator. Well, yeah, it's from the word for uh, like a gladius is a the Roman word for sword, right? Mm. So just a little spiky sword sword flower. I feel like I should have known that. (laughs) Sorry, I I said, I feel like I should have known that. And I just saw my producer in the corner of my eye going, yeah, yeah, you should. (laughs) Tom, Tom, you were a gladiator for six months. How do you not remember? (laughs) You fought a myrmidon with a gladius, Tom. Sorry, when you said you were a gladiator for six months, I'm like, I wasn't old enough to be a gladiator. And again, just 1990s TV shows, just brain tape in the head. (laughs) You had the big foam thing on the sticks. Yeah. yeah. Tonight, fight, fighting, hunter, lightning, and weakling. It's just... It doesn't, <laughs> doesn't sound... I'm just here for the flowers. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, so, okay, so we've got a trophy, and the trophy is from 1925. Its first edition was from 1925, and so harking back to that very first one... Did you say competi- competition or contest or award? A competition, so okay. which competition's trophy contains this number of gladioli as part of it? Is this like, so for example, the TV show Top Gear mm. has actually been running since the 70s, <laughs> but everyone just knows it as the current version. Yeah. Was Gladiators, has that been running, was that like <laughs> the first TV show, the think, radio version in the I, 20s? I, I have a feeling this doesn't actually have anything to do with Gladiators <laughs> or American Gladiators or whatever. Um I'm just saying. So, first edition was 1925. Mm. Wait, the trophy... Are we talking like actual plants here? Like they put some new gladioli in it every year? Or are we talking that the design of it has gladioli? I think it's got to be the design. It's the design. Okay. I also find it intriguing that the question does not specify the number of gladioli. Maybe it's important. Maybe it's, yes. you know, the the seven gladioli cup. Do you remember the seven gladioli cup? Oh, Maybe yeah. No, yeah, no, yeah. No, no, seven gladioli. A couple of years ago, yeah. <laughs> um, I, could it be a, like arranged a triangle or something that makes, a, mm. makes some famous emblem or something like that? I want to know, is, are the flowers important? Because I feel like we're focusing a lot on those. Oh, and yeah. I feel like it's not going to be like the Chelsea flower show. <laughs> <laughs> or something, but the, but if it's something like Wimbledon that feels like it probably started in the twenties, I don't know. Is that a common weed in a lawn tennis like lawn tennis? Ah, oh, another gladioli. I'm gonna get that out of the court before the put it in the trophy. Put that it's in the trophy. Tr- it's tricky. It is definitely relevant. The this right. flower choice, except. Not in, not so directly that it's a, yep, it was a flower show, sort of I, I keep thinking about swords. Now I know that connection. Like, is there, <laughs> is there a sword fighting contest or like, like stage thing. combat or fencing or something like that? Mm. It would greatly surprise me. <laughs> okay. 
1925. The, what started? It's also that it's that it's harking, harking, mm. harking. Is that a word? It's harking back to the 1925 version, which presumably means it wasn't that way. And then they've like sort of reissued a trophy that's like the original. It also means that we're coming up to the centenary. Whatever it is, assuming this is still going, it's mm. going to be the hundred. So what? Oh, hey, uh, Oscars. It, uh, is it the Oscars? Is it the Academy Awards? Because I, I don't think... Because the statue... Can we get is- a replay on Tom's excitement when he realised he knew the answer? I don't know However. if I do know the answer. I No, because the, the statue isn't holding anything, is it? No, no, you're losing it. You're losing it. Believe in yourself. Keep going. I think the first Oscars were 1929. Oh! Ah. Ah, mm. Okay. Yes, because... Yeah, okay. But your acting on believing you knew it was incredible. I, it was this moment of... <laughs> Sometimes, if you, if, if you do quizzes or anything like that, sometimes it's like this bolt from the blue. It's like, oh, yeah. Like, no, not this, not this time. Not, not this time. We get that so much with guests on Escape This Podcast. People who, when they really think they've got a puzzle solution, they're going, that's it. A hundred percent. I've got it. Just it connect the red thing to the blue thing. No. No, that, <laughs> no, that doesn't work at all. It's so sad. Are there any famous, like what other famous competitions are is it a sport thing this or is it like a, a yeah, good question it is not a sport thing okay it's mm. quite specific so what is it that's that's like the oscars but has been going since <laughs> going like 90 something years typically the competitors that you will find in this competition are extru- not at all the same group of people that you would find at the oscars or a, even a sporting competition are it's, they it's animals i was going to say is this crufts <laughs> is it like a Pulitzer Prize or a Nobel Prize or something like that? Not quite. Now, it's not going so far as an animal competition. And I'm <laughs> definitely insulting someone by putting it like that. I like but... I like the idea of a Pulitzer. I like pen is mighty than the sword. Here's a yeah. gladiolus. It's kind of like a sword flower. Is it something to do literature-wise? When you, when you said, like, not quite going as far as animals, my brain went, oh, children. Um. <laughs> yeah, like ooh, a pet. Ooh, Danny has a look on her face like she thinks children are close to animals. Hey, I think hey, you hey. might be onto something, Tom. So, a, a children's contest or a contest for children? Oh, um, that's been little, little like a flower. And swords, swords is, is a red herring, right? This has nothing to do with like child sword fighting or anything like that. <laughs> that's uh, again, it would greatly surprise me. So, no, it's more that. The gladiolus was the thing rather than the swords. Flowery children. Fla- flowery children from the 20s. Must be some kind of child pageant. Is it like a pageant? It's not quite. Is it like the spelling bee? I'm trying to think of any contest that has children oh, in it. Spelling bee is good. Maybe, the, maybe is the, good. the word that defeated the second place one in the first one was, was gladiolus or something. I don't know. Um... Tom, you have nailed it. You have hit it right on the head. 1925, oh. the Scripps National Spelling Bee, the winning word was gladiolus. Oh. Amazing. <laughs> Fantastic. We got there. We got there as a group. Now, we really I did. Have, I don't have much spelling bee experience. We've seen a couple of Australian ones on TV. I feel like the words, as far as I can tell, have gotten harder over time. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there's, they now drill for them, don't they? They now give the kids like a book of all the words that could appear. And it's more like a rote memory thing. Uh, than Tom, a- Tom that's, that's called the dictionary. 
<laughs> no, except this doesn't have definitions in it. It's just... It's just, it's just the words. So it's oh. just... It's, oh, well, I think it's got word used in a sentence like a brief definition. Yeah. And it's just... Etymology, I think they like as well. Uh, so, yeah. yeah, etymology, I think they like as well. They like knowing what language the word came from. That I know that they find that quite helpful. But but in theory, it you you could just memorise the whole thing and it's just finding the shortcuts and... I think they absolutely try to do that. Are um, there not people who are like champion Scrabble players who can't speak the language yes, they're playing Scrabble? Yes, that's a thing, Scrabble. isn't it? Yes. There's a guy who won the French Scrabble contest despite not that's speaking it. French. Yeah. He just memorised all the words you can use. I said, Sorry, that's one of those things where I put just in a you sentence. Mean, and he just memorised all just the words. Just memorised entire language like words. Yeah. Hey, folks, did you know you can cheat by just memorising all the words? <laughs> they don't check. If you've memorized all the words. Yes, the first of these spelling bees took place in 1925 when the winning word was gladiolus, and they used that as the design for the trophy. The words that have won some spelling bees have become more complex over time. It started out with words like gladiolus or therapy, and now we get ones that are a bit more like uh, erysipelas, everyone's favorite. I think I got some cream for that once. <laughs> it is an infection. Oh right, I thought, it, I thought it was a philosopher. <laughs> I was thinking it was a Greek philosopher or something like that, and then I and then I made the cream joke, and it turns out, whoops! Uh, now everyone just knows a little too much. Yeah. The next question is from me. So, around thirty minutes before bedtime, Sophia spreads a light film of cooking oil onto a plate. Why? I'll give you that again. Around thirty minutes before bedtime, Sophia spreads a light film of cooking oil onto a plate. Why? <laughs> yeah, there's not much to go on on this one. Yeah. That is just that's she, just a thing she's doing to catch Santa. <laughs> is the person significant? Uh, no, not at all. Okay. I remember during my childhood hearing the urban legends that if you had a glass of water next to your bed, bugs would come and lay their eggs in it, and so during the night you'd drink bug eggs. So uh, maybe she was setting aside something else for the bugs to go to, to oh, lure a, them away. It's a bug distraction. You are way, oh, way closer on. than you think. It's, it's, <laughs> not, it's not entirely right in the detail, but you're in... When you said to catch Santa, Bill, I honestly thought you were just coming in for the correct answer in the first three words. You are both uh-huh. very, very close. If you tell me that this childhood urban legend is real, I'm going to have to make some life changes. <laughs> no, to, to my knowledge, you are not drinking bug eggs if you have a glass of water next to the bed. He says, picking up the glass of water that's next to his desk and just just looking at it for a while. Uh, is is the, the interchangeable human doing this on four plates? Because I'm imagining you could put your bed on, so each leg of the bed is in the middle of a different plate which would mean any kind of bed-invasive insects would have to traverse a plate to get to the bed. So it's like, it's like an old grain silo with like the things that would stop <laughs> rats from getting up the legs. I mean, you're all dancing around the right answer very quickly there, so I think I'm, I'm going to give it to you. Um, the, pl- the plate is made from lightweight plastic, so it's a melamine plate, so the, the sort of disposable ones you get for picnics. Sophia is in Southeast Asia. This is a low-cost trick that people there use to combat a problem, which is mosquitoes. So you are ah. very, very close with all that. It's, it's not so much there's a pool of oil sitting in the plate. It's that the plate has a light film of oil on it. It's, it's one of those disposable sort of plasticky plates that you get for, um, 
for, for picnics and things like that. So what might she be doing with that just before bed? Where would you put Where would be the best idea to put that for mosquitoes? Yeah, I don't, can you put, no, I mean, my, I suddenly thought, can you put a little like a flame in the middle of it and then bugs will go to oh, that. But if it's caught. oil, but yeah. Yeah. that's terrifying. And also mosquitoes don't care about the light. There's, there's one thing you're missing. It's absolutely about mosquitoes. It's absolutely about catching them. But you've missed one key thing that she's going to do with this plate. She puts a tiny drop of her own blood in the <laughs> middle of the plate. And the mosquitoes yeah. arrive to feast. And then they go, whoa, and they slip on the plate. And they feel discouraged and they leave. You wear it like a hat. <gasps> she yeah, wears it, it like a hat. If the mosquitoes will not come to the plate, then... You swat the mosquitoes with the plate. Like you wave it around. Yep. To filter them out of the air. And it's, oh. and it's sticky enough that the mosquitoes <gasps> stick to it. Huh. How funny. The, the research for this question, I've got the notes here, is that the question editor's wife used to do this when she lived back in the Philippines. This is yeah, an absolutely 100% personal anecdote of, yep, you get a bit of oil, you put it on a plate, you waft it around on the mosquitoes, stick to it. Then you set it on fire. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Once you got a couple of them. Matt, I kind of liked your suggestion of putting the plates under the bed legs because that gave Thank me you. the image of ants crawling along, trying to get to the bed, going through the oil, and then as they tried to climb up, they just slipped straight just back down. Oh, so sad. Then you set it on fire. <laughs> well, the bed. As long as there's fire at the end, <laughs> yeah. Matt's happy. But how can yeah. we sleep when our beds are burning? Yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like a lyric from the killers. I don't know why, just just Oof. does. So yes, uh, Sophia is catching mosquitoes with the plate. Matt, we are coming to you for the next one. Let's have your question, please. My question is, in the year 1876, so cast your minds back, why did editor Melville Stone, real person, not just a placeholder name, <laughs> convince local traders to mark their prices ending in 99 cents rather than whole dollars. Basically, up until then, I believe, people in the nearby shops were like, oh, that costs $6. And Melvin's like, hey, have you considered five ninety nine? And why? Hmm. Why were they a firm believer in this approach? I mean, I assume it's, I mean, the, the classic answer to this is people are fooled into buying more. And I assume yes. there's, there's mm. some deeper yeah. reason beyond this that, that it was happening Correct. at that particular time. And that that was a welcome justification. Yep. And it turns out surprisingly effective. Yep. Oh, yeah. If you see something for $9.99, that is so much cheaper than $10. I would never spend $10. $9.99? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Fewer digits. So that was the effect, but not necessarily the cause here? No, that was not Melville's motivation. But it turns out that does work. And when we set up mm. massgear.co.uk for all your mass toy needs, nice, nice product we originally were like, we're not doing that. We're having whole numbers. It doesn't, people, people want the 0.99. Wait, do you have data on this? Did you like get a sales boost when that happened? Uh, no, we didn't have sufficient data to do it rigorously. I knew you were going to ask that, but we did it. And, <laughs> and then we switched and there were more sales. But maybe, you know, well, actually at the same time we rolled out Everything is a prime number of pennies. So it's often <laughs> bad nine seven that's or whatever the nearest it. prime is. Well that's just that's just gonna confuse all your data there. That's uh... So that may be what prompted all the sales. People are like, yeah. Oh, prime number of pennies. Yeah. Now I'm sold. That's how it's done. To set the scene, Melville Stone was not necessarily worried about the 
the shopkeeper's best interest. Melville was suggesting this for a much more selfish reason. He wanted all of the zero sign pieces for himself. Well, no, uh, I think yes. this is a similar idea. I'd like to play. The, here's, here's what I think. My suggestion here. We'll play it out. Oh God! Knock, I don't knock, like. knock. Uh, no. oh, you're, 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 you're role playing the whole thing. Yeah, here we go. Wait, who's Melville? Ah, hello, my name is Melville. I see ah, you have Melville. your signs up in the store. A six-dollar sign. Wouldn't you rather have a five-ninety-nine sign? In fact, I have a few nines here in my briefcase. Would you like to buy these little nines and put them up in your shop I'm window? I'm very much picturing I it as a sign-based thing. I think he sells the numbers. A nine salesperson. Was he a sign painter? Did he charge by the digit? I think he charges by the digit for the things he sells. You got it. That's why you want the oh, nine. Oh, so you're nine. saying there were no zeros? What, what is a nine if not a more flamboyant zero? Come on. I think it requires, it requires extra digits. You could just put six, but now five, nine, nine. Was he a six salesman? I can tell you, Melvin's career vocation was the editor of a newspaper. Did not sell, purvey, or install signs or sign paraphernalia. Did he sell something that cost a penny? Oh. So... You would buy, if, like, let's say the newspaper was a penny. So you would go in and you would buy something that was one ninety nine, and they'd be like, well, you could have this penny. Oh, or I'll get the newspaper as well. I don't know why I thought Oh, newspaper. that's so good. He, oh, yeah, no, because he, he said editor. You said he was an editor, didn't you? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That could well be the right answer, Tom, but you haven't done it as a fun little scene. Sorry, let's workshop this out. Let's workshop this out. Yeah, yeah, you, uh, yeah. you be Melvin this time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah okay. Uh, you, be, uh, you be the person in the, in the shop. Yeah. But... Oh, hello. Come in. Oh, hello. My name is Melville Stone. I don't know why I talk like this, but this is the only accent I can do. It's a good one. Congratulations. Ah, thank, you. thank you. Would you consider changing your prices from $6 to $5.99? Excuse me, I'd like to buy some $6 tobacco, please. Oh, quiet. I'm just talking to Melville now. You just hold on. I'll get back to you. Yes, Melville? Where where were you? Why don't you charge her less and then I can sell more newspapers? How does this help me? Yeah, no. Now we've we've workshopped this. I've realised it doesn't actually make sense as a proposition to the business owner. This can't be the right answer, Matt. Oh, uh, well, 100%. You are completely correct. Right down to the convincing. Now we've workshopped it. It doesn't make any sense. How did we miss the final step of the scene, which is all right, Melville, fight me for it. And if you win, (laughs) I'll reduce my cost by a penny and sell them your papers. Yeah, so Melville convinced the storekeepers that it was a smart pricing move because people, it would look cheaper. And it transpires that's correct. But then Melville's vested interest was to shift copies of their paper, which cost a single penny each. So they were, uh, they were trying to get, basically, people to have more, like, more pennies in the economy, mm. and people are more likely to buy things for a penny. It wasn't about buying it at the same time. It was about having mm. the pennies in people's pockets so they'd yeah. spend them on... Uh, right. Everyone's buying multiples of a, of a dollar or, or not a half penny, this is America, or a quarter or <laughs> other fractions. And so now they're like, hey, let's get some pennies. And that they, they would go and make sure there were sufficient pennies sloshing around in the economy, shift copies of their paper, job done. 
Here's your next question. In August 2022, how did a group of Chicago teenagers raise money for charity using 5,000 boxes of Corn Pops and Rice Krispies? I'll give you that again. In August 2022, how did a group of Chicago teenagers raise money for charity using 5,000 boxes of Corn Pops and Rice Krispies? Now, I have no idea what a Corn Pop is exactly. I have more information on a Corn Pop. This is like the saddest lollipop in the world. We are asking uh, a very American question to three Australians slash... Two and a half Australians and half a Brit. Let's go with that as the... uh... Yeah, it works. I feel like it's a knockoff version of popcorn, but they're like, oh, we can't call it that. It's been trademarked by big corn. I'm picturing rice bubbles as a thing. Yeah, yeah, like we have rice bubbles. Uh, Yeah, we call them Rice Krispies. It is that, but with corn, because it's America and everything Mm -hmm. is corn. It's all corn. That's a good there. point. Well, yeah, before that, I was picturing it as really upsetting bubble wrap. Corn <laughs> pop. Just pack it in some corn pop. You can break these. <laughs> now, if I remember fundraising correctly when I was at primary school in Australia, you just get these pops, cover mm. them in some kind of either honey or chocolate or something that, that would then solidify. Yeah. Cut them up or put them in like little cupcake. Oh, you're thinking Wrapped, like Rice Krispies treats, we call them. Yeah, and then you, yeah. uh, you flog them at the fate or school. The problem is you miss event. the most important step, which is you eat them all yourself and then have to pay the money yourself later. <laughs> oh, my goodness, yes. Yeah. The important thing is they're impossible to remove from the paper uh, oh, cupcake awesome. tray that they're permanently fused to. <laughs> Hope you like alfoil. And did they use these unadulterated or were they incorporated into some other some other edible object they were unadulterated mm. in the fact they were unadulterated as you would buy them off the shelf oh if i know kids it was the corn pop challenge mm. <laughs> where you how many boxes of corn pops can you balance on your head or i don't know what kids are up to these days no they when i say boxes of i don't mean the contents of those boxes i mean five thousand oh. boxes of corn pops and rice krispies yeah, and you balance the boxes on your head. That's the corn <laughs> pop box I mean, challenge. Yeah, and, and I expect, donate for every box. And I every box that you balance. You, yeah, you to post a video calling me out and tagging another couple of people rec- that that ask me. Yeah, to exactly. Do, you know? Yeah, and that's how you spread the message. It's like the ice bucket challenge, but with more sugar. Mm-hmm. Uh, did they just start a tiny supermarket? They just went bought five thousand boxes. <laughs> oh, they discovered their own. commerce. <laughs> yeah, they were yeah. just resellers. Yeah, they just re- yeah. they just have a shop. They just own a little shop and they sell Rice Krispies. This is, it is one of those weird charity things where it doesn't really make sense when you think about it. We're going to do a thing and people are going to give us money because we've done the thing. And the thing isn't really... Uh, no. it's, it's, just, it's, just a, it's just a big thing. Okay, okay. Can we brainstorm stupid things you can do with 500 boxes? 5,000 like, boxes. It's a, it's a 5,000 boxes. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Okay. I was going to say, because in, in WA, you, we used to raise money by gluing milk cartons together into a boat. and then people I was going to say a say, boat as well. I yeah, was going to say yeah. a raft. A raft. Did they glue them into a massive raft? And then they, go down the Mississippi. <laughs> they did make a... <laughs> I... I, I it's the Illinois River. Um, <laughs> Chicago's the Illinois River. You're on the wrong bit of America. Um, so they they, they did traveled? make they no, no they did make a big thing out of the boxes. Um, Surely those boxes are cardboard. A boat would be upsettingly bad, right? Yep. 
Yeah, but the boxes themselves are relevant. And also, so's the date, August 2022. August 2022. If only I could imagine what it would be like to be in August 2022. <laughs> oh, I know. It's impossible. Note for future listeners, we're recording this in August 22. There's, there's two types of boxes here. You've, you've got your Rice Krispies boxes, 2,500 of them. You've got your Corn Pops boxes, 2,500 of them. And those are different boxes, different designs. They made them fight. <laughs> they made a giant picture, like ah. a two-tone equivalent of a grayscale, but it's breakfast cereal image. Now, you are very close with that. Not quite on the two-tone thing. You're not like dithering an image here. So it's a much more simple design than that. And it helps if you think letters or a, or a silhouette or something. Something about those box designs, and the Americans will be screaming about it because they know what those boxes look like. Oh, wait. So, what's. I imagine both of them just have giant mascots. One's got Mr. Rice Pop. What do rice. And the other's got Lady. What was the other one? Uh, corn Pops Lady and corn. Rice Krispies. What, what does a Rice Krispies box look like? It looks like a big rectangle, mm -hmm. uh, and it has yep, a picture. Gotcha. Of snap, crackle, and pop on it. Uh, not not much these days. There's, there's a there's a colour to it. Blue. Yeah, I feel like they're blue here. Do yeah, they make okay. a big American flag? Are the other ones red and white? Mm, not for corn pops. What colour would a corn pops box be? Yellow. Yellow. Oh, you Ukraine crag! <laughs> Bloody Ukraine! Oh, that makes <laughs> That's, sense. Of course, it's a blue. I've seen blue and yellow everywhere. Yeah, oh, of course. Corn Pops boxes are yellow. Rice Krispies boxes are blue. So they made an enormous Ukrainian flag. Uh, Kellogg's provided the boxes free of charge. They were all donated to a food bank afterwards. And it is one of those charity things where we've made a big flag and people give them money because they've made a big flag. They raised $15,000. Oh, good on them. How lovely. Yeah, it was absolutely massive. Uh, they are being considered for the official world record for the largest flag mosaic. And I have no doubt that Kellogg's are also very happy with the publicity. But yes, $15,000 mm. raised for charity by making a giant Ukrainian flag out of Corn Pops and Rice Krispies boxes. And I apologise that we gave that question to the Australians. <laughs> <laughs> Our last guest question comes from Bill. What have you got for us? All right, I have a question... I'm going to keep the food theme going. In the 1930s, the American burger chain White Castle hit upon a way to make their stores virtually immune to large rent increases. What was it? So the minute you said White Castle, I was like, I know the answer to this. I'm going to be smug. It was not about how they drill little holes out of the burgers and say that it's to let the steam through <laughs> and it's actually to save money on beef. Um, <laughs> I was 100% sure I was going to be the smug one sitting back for that question and I am and wrong fun, fun fact about that that's actually because there was an editor in America who sold a newspaper for exactly one tiny uh, cylinder <laughs> tiny of beef, of beef. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> the beef disc per paper yep. alright my one question uh, is White Castle legally a church <laughs> Not, not to my knowledge. They only used actual castles. No, but some of them look like castles. They <sighs> have, they have built that design up in a few places. I mean, what they're known for is just they sell sliders. 
So you like order six tiny burgers as a meal? I was thinking if it was a castle, that that's such a specific use building. Like, and the the person's like, we're going to put the rent up, and they're like, well, who else are you going to rent this to? You know, <laughs> <laughs> it's a giant castle. We're the only castle-themed restaurant in town. You think I don't know any vampires? I could get 100 vampires into this castle next week. Meanwhile, over at the Medieval Times restaurant on the other side, we, we really want to set up a second Medieval Times right, but we just there just aren't any castle buildings around here. So the obvious answer, and I know it's obvious, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to aim for it anyway, is that they just bought the buildings. They stopped renting. Yeah. That would definitely help. That is not the answer. Okay. I just thought I'd get that one out of the way in case. Um, so they are still renting. Okay. Do we think that the castleness has anything to do with that? Like, I don't know much about how these look like. Are the buildings actually castly, or is it just a completely normal building and they've put some decal on the outside to look castly? I'm, I'm going to give you a clue, Danny. Yeah. It's in America. <laughs> <laughs> it's a cuboid with a castle outline stuck to the front. Uh, yeah. well, but, I, but they are they are in castle shape. Apparently, fun fact, uh, they were like modelled after a water tower. I don't know why a water tower would look like a castle, but it's a fun little castle look. This is the 1930s, so like big box stores, franchise stores, like the kind of prefab restaurant design wasn't really invented then as far as I know. They would have, they would have just That's been renting the building. If it's the 30s, that's easy. They put a sign at the front that says, all members of the mob eat for free. <laughs> <laughs> Ain't no one putting their, no one's putting their rent up. That's, uh... Oh, no, they, they, just, they just formed their own mafia. They just, yeah, they yeah. just, yeah. Well, they had a speakeasy at the back. You, you walk through, like, only one of the castle gates is real. I am expecting some more character work from Bill here. I'm going to be honest. <laughs> Uh, um, uh, it's us. We're, we're the knights of the square table. I think no, no, that's not them. That's a different chain that has square. They're, they're the, no, White, White Chapel has square burgers. There you go. Because they're just uh, easier I will say, to. Tom, you're, you're, you're kind of hovering in on something, which is, I will say, yeah, they, they did have to pay, they did have to pay rent, but they did also own the building. What? Oh, was something else going on in the building? Did they have a bowling alley on the second floor? Did they just did they invent franchising? Because with franchising, like often with McDonald's, the the French I forget the franchiseur, franchisee, the one that owns the intellectual property will also own the land. And so not only do they get paid franchising licensing fees, they also get rent from the person having to rent their shop back off them. So who are they paying rent to if they also own the building? The people who own the land. So it's a leasehold kind of building. Where was their land that, or who would have owned the land to make it important? I mean, there's still, so if you're up in, uh, I think it's somewhere in Minnesota, Wisconsin, somewhere in the, in the north middle bit of America, uh, there is the Rogue Dairy Queen. Which sounds way more awesome than it actually is. That sounds like a, a, a weird high fantasy thing. Uh, it's just an ice cream shop uh, that is still on the old contracts from the 1950s, 60s, <laughs> whatever. So they're allowed to sell basically whatever they want. They can make up their own local products. They can change the prices. They can do. And corporate Dairy Queen 
hates it and would like them to be the modern franchise. They're just like, no, we are independent. We go by our own rules. So it could be some like old contractual clause, but why? It's it's not some ridiculous land thing about a castle, is it? Like they they didn't build try to no. build a castle and claim it was a castle. No, they they didn't try and claim anything was a castle. They did, however, build the building specifically for every every. Uh, White Castle was built, and in fact, so they, they were actually they actually had a subsidiary company called the Porcelain Steel Buildings Company, which they <laughs> set up specifically to build all of their own White Castle buildings. So they chose the plots of land very specifically. I mean, I suppose as much as anybody does when yeah. uh, well. setting up a restaurant. But it did also they they had they could use the exact same reasoning, right? The exact same method that they used to avoid high rent. They could also use to uh, respond to places that had poor sales. Or if they'd set up somewhere and the sales weren't so good. Hmm. Have they built it in such a way that it's technically a tent or (laughs) a temporary building or something, right? And so it's quick to kind of assemble and it's not technically a permanent structure, so the rent categorization is different. And if, if there's poor sales, flat pack... Oh, sorry, are we talking rent or are we talking property taxes here? We're talking uh, rent, rent increases. Because then if they try to put the rent up, they just fold the shop down and, and pop it over there. You can't increase the rent if what the tenant is going to do is just disassemble their shop and move it somewhere else cheaper. Oh, were they just demountables? Uh, effectively, yes. They had little prefab, tiny restaurants, and if the rent got too high... You could chuck it on the back of a truck and you could drive it somewhere better. If wow. the, if you, and by the same token, for poor sales, if you're in an area you've set up, it's not as good, it's not getting a response from the people in that area, you just cut your losses, stick your building on a truck, get out of there and find somewhere new to put it. Wow. I feel like that's a thing that... I, I, I was going to say that should have survived into the modern era, and there's probably now a lot of zoning and tax laws that means you just can't get away with that. But like when you have to register a business to have a postal address as opposed to it's the 1930s and the White Castle has just rocked up in your town. <laughs> mm. I will say, when you said the rogue Dairy Queen, I thought that's what you were about to describe, a Dairy Queen <laughs> that travels around the town popping up <laughs> to serve ice cream to people and then disappearing and going off into the distance. I mean that would be better as it is. It's just a it's just one shop with a <laughs> with a slightly different contract. Uh, yes. So you're you you are the American burger chain White Castle, and you don't want to pay such high rent, and you don't want to deal with the low sales in your area. You can pack your entire prefabricated small restaurant onto the back of a truck and drive it somewhere else. One last loose end to tie up then. At the very start of the show, I asked which American TV show has a version in Azerbaijan called 61. Uh, And that is 61 with an exclamation mark on the end of it. Um, Any ideas? It's that long-lived show, The 4400, but they got through it a lot faster in Azerbaijan. (laughs) I was going to say the opposite and say it took him a lot longer to get through 24. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Azerbaijan has 61 hours in their their local clock. Metric time, 61 hours in the day. Is it the remake of a show where the original title was a question and the answer is 61? <laughs> you see, it is, it is a show about questions and answers. 
or it's more likely to show about answers and questions. Oh. Oh, does that make it Jeopardy? Yes, it does. Yes. Why? A standard question, a, a standard game of Jeopardy has 61 total clues. Six categories of no five way. clues twice. Final Jeopardy at the end. Azerbaijan called it 61. So that is our show. Thank you very much. Uh, first of all, Matt Parker, tell us what you've got going on. Well, I'm still making ridiculous videos on my Stand Up Mass YouTube channel. And in the gaps, I'm also dabbling with this podcast thing with a problem squared, where Beck Hill and I solve all your problems for a very generous definition of the word solve. <laughs> <laughs> and Bill and Danny, what's going on with you? Uh, yes, so we make a show called Escape This Podcast, where we have guests come on and play through audio escape rooms. We also make all of those escape rooms free for anybody who wants to play along at home. You can check that out at escapethispodcast.com. And if you want to know more about this show or you want to submit an idea for a question, our website is lateralcast.com. You can find us at lateralcast on pretty much everything and you can catch video highlights at youtube.com slash lateralcast. Thank you very much to Bill and Danny from Escape This Podcast. Thank you. Thank you very much to Matt Parker. Thank you very much. I've been Tom Scott and that's been Lateral. <laughs>